Superkicks.com offers cool streetwear and apparel at great prices. Shipping worldwide, thanks to the guys at Superkicks, you can get 10% off your order by using the code SWN at the checkout. That's Superkicks.com, pro wrestling apparel. Welcome to the latest edition of the SWN podcast. I am your host, Billy, as always. I am joined this week uh, with Scudmaster Sexy himself, as my wife calls him, Lou King Sharp's big sexy pal. It's Krieger. <laughs> Welcome to the show. How you doing, mate? Thanks for having me. Thanks uh, for having me. As How soon you keeping? As, oh, I'm keeping quite well. This, this is, as I said in previous podcasts, this is my social time now. I don't go outside, <laughs> so this is my social uh <laughs> portion of the week and it seems to be getting more and more sociable with my lineup of guests um, I don't know how it happened mm-hmm. I went from never speaking to anyone to want to speak to everyone and it's it's a weird thing uh, <laughs> but go back to that start bit when I saying that, that my wife calls you Lou King Sharp's big sexy pal because that's what she calls you because she goes I can't remember how to say his name but I just know him as Lou King Sharp's sexy pal so that's what I'll always call him and as soon as I said you're a guest on the show, she went, "You're gonna, you're gonna mention that, are you?" And I went, it's "Right at the start, it's gonna be the first." <laughs> she's a, she is a tremendous judge of character, then, um, <laughs> and it's probably I've been called a hell of a lot worse, to be honest with you. So that is going as soon as I'm off this, I'm gonna, I'm opening up my laptop and I'm putting that on my CV. I'm also going to message Simon and ask if he can start introducing me as that. <laughs> Uh, so the first question is always the same. How did you get into pro wrestling? What got you hooked? Uh, obviously the same as the same as MD that you've that you've interviewed. I was a, a massive fan growing up. Um, I think most people that get involved in wrestling are. Um, but I, I'll no bore you with all the sort of um, what I watched growing up and stuff. Um, if I'm honest with you, um, I started training when I was. I was either just coming up for 19 or just turned 19. I can't really remember. Um, but I was at uni and I was studying primary teaching. And I'd like to say that I wasn't enjoying it. So that's why I thought, what would I like to do? But if I'm more honest, it was a case that I was I was not any good at it at all. Um, and I thought, right, even back then, I thought, right, this probably isn't going to go anywhere. The, the, the writing's on the wall early days here. Um, what would I want to be doing if I could do anything in the world and I could pick my job, what would it be? And I'd want to be a wrestler. Um, so I googled um, pro wrestling schools in Scotland um, and I was still staying with my mum and dad at the time. I was staying in Russia um, and I was lucky that there was a training school in uh, Airdrie. So it was a training school in like, what, 30 minutes max away for the, away for the house. Um, so I went one weekend... Um, and I've never looked back since. So that's the that's the quick story of how I how I get involved in it. So so you went from uh, the possibility of you teaching small kids to dancing and and booing and shouting at small kids. That must be every teacher's dream towards at the end <laughs> when, when they when they start teaching. Um, you, you say you don't want to bore me with what you watch, but I'm always fascinated because I speak to all these these youngins. And uh, they always say, oh, I started watching and when Rey Mysterio won the Royal Rumble and I feel automatically so old. But uh, mm-hmm. so what was the first, what was your first memory? Uh, the earliest memory, the, the first thing I can remember watching on TV 
Um, and when I go back, when I go back now and watch old episodes, there's there is some stuff before this that rings a wee bell now that I've watched it. But um, the earliest thing that I can actually remember watching live on TV was um, Triple H, Mary and Stephanie. Um, and then I can remember being so invested in Triple H against Vince. Uh, um, I want to say Armageddon. Um, yep. And I, I, rem- I remember it starting with obviously Vince throwing the sand or salt or whatever in Triple H's eye and then you had the turn for Stephanie at the end. I hope nobody minds nearly 20-year-old spoilers at this stage. Um, <laughs> and I can remember being so invested in that match and feeling feeling so betrayed when, St- <laughs> when Stephanie turned on her old man. Um, that's the earliest I can remember. Um, what about yourself? What's, what's the first thing you can remember watching? Mine actually came up on, on Twitter a couple of days ago as of recording uh, for about... 1999, it was the Undertaker versus Kane Inferno match on Raw. And my first memory is the Undertaker burning a teddy bear in front of Vince McMahon. (laughs) And as someone who would have been, I would have been eight at the time, watching it, not understanding a thing, but terrified (laughs) that this big goth dude is is burning a teddy bear in front of an old man. And I just, I didn't understand. I had nightmares. (laughs) It was, it, it, it was very quickly I learned that wrestling wasn't, all uh, 100% legit. Yeah. Because after a few nightmares about it, my dad just turned around and went, you know it's not real. <laughs> but, but his face is on fire. Kane's got a mask. Um, I can, I can, um, you speaking about finding out that, that wrestling was 100% real, I can still remember. I used to watch, like my brother, like my big brother's only three years older than me. Um, so we were always, we still are, but we were always really close growing up and we would sit and watch wrestling that together. I think my big brother, um, obviously he was smartened up to it probably at school and stuff a bit a bit earlier than me. And he had made, I think we were arguing one day and he'd, he'd, me- <laughs> he'd mentioned it to me in spite that wrestling, wrestling wasn't real. And I was like, aye, very good. And then I remember we had ordered a pay-per-view at one point and I wasn't allowed for that one. Normally I was allowed to stay up even if I was at school the next day. My mum and dad were cool that way, but... Um, I must have been in trouble or something and I had to watch this one when I got home from school and it was, I can't remember who, but it was, did, did Mick Foley and Triple H ever have a Hell in a Cell match? No, uh, no way out 2000, I think. Did they? Well, I can, well, I've got it in my head that I was watching, a, I know Foley was in it um, and it was obviously a classic Foley match back then, all, all sorts of thumbtacks and this, that and the other thing. And I says to my mum, I asked her, and I was so nervous about asking her. And I says to my mum, mum, is wrestling, wrestling real? And she was like, oh, I don't, I don't know, son, I don't know. But obviously the stuff with the, the stuff with the thumbtacks and all the weapons and that, and I was, I was certain that she was going to say, obviously that stuff's real, because they can't fake that. And she went, obviously that stuff's no real. And it crushed me. <laughs> Absolutely crushed me. Um... But then obviously years from now, I've, I've quickly learned that you can't, if anything, the thumbtacks, the, the stuff that my mum thought was fake is the stuff that definitely isn't fake. So I'm going to, need to sit her down and teach her a wee hang up to her. Uh, I mean, JR always told us, he said, how do you learn a, how to fall off a 20-foot ladder? It's just stuff that 
we've been talking <laughs> for years. Um, so that that's great. Now I know that you're on the kind of state. You've watched it just as long as I have. So I, yeah. like, I, I feel I don't feel super old when when you're mentioning <laughs> folk that I'm like, oh, I remember, oh, I remember when they were and all that kind of stuff. But so when you started training, what were your first reactions? Of course, by this point, you're 19, so you know it's it's uh, yeah a panto. Uh, yeah. so, so what were your first reactions? Do you have a sports background? Did you have a bit of a cardio thing beforehand? Or? Um, I'd, I'd always sort of, I'd always played football like, right through school and stuff. Um, I'd always played football right through school and everything. Um, and then before I started um, training, um, I'd done a year of um, MMA training. Um, I didn't, I, I never had any, any interest in like, actually competing in it or anything like that. It was, that's no my cup of tea, to be honest with you. Um, it was just something to try and keep up my fitness. Um, so I'd done that for a year, and then when I got, when I found the wrestling school, uh, there was a while when I tried to do both side by side, and, I, and looking back on it, I could have easily done both side by side. Um, but um, as soon as I started wrestling, I was 100% focused on that. Um, so quickly dropped anything else. Um, in terms of, I know, I know you're saying, I was 19, so in reality, I should have had a, a better head on my shoulders looking back on it. But um, we, when I first started, we were training at Airdrie Sports Centre. Um, and this sounds, this sounds so stupid in hindsight. But I walked in um, to the big sort of sports hall. And obviously, we got there really early. It was myself and um, uh, like me and Hal Rayner were at school together. Um so he started the same day as me at training, so I was driving him over. And I had read the time wrong on the website. It was meant to start at 11. I had it there for 10. Um, so we got there super early. Uh, and we walked in. Mats and stuff were already set up. Don't have a clue how they were already set up. We were the first ones there, right? But um, we walked back out and I'm thinking, so it can it be in here because there's no ring. <laughs> there's, no, there's no wrestling ring here this can't be the right place in my head I was expecting something like the performance centre um, so then we left disappointed and obviously we were an hour early so we went to a, a petrol station I decided to get a sandwich at a petrol station um, and then went in and we had uh, anybody that's ever done a, a training session with TJ Rage who know about the sort of TJ Rage cardio workouts that he does at the start um, and I very quickly had to run to the toilet and throw up my very first day my first day was not a memorable one whatsoever That seems to be quite a common thread, there seems to be a lot of, of uh, folk start their first day and end up throwing up that same day so uh, you're not alone by the sounds of it I, I can't imagine from what I've learned uh, from the Airdrie School and the Barhead one um, yeah, you, you earned your way to the ring, but I suppose if you can wrestle without ropes, then you're pretty much set for any eventuality. If there's a rope break or anything like that as well, yeah, um, yeah. What was that? I first? think there's funny. I think I think there's I think there's positives and negatives to both. So obviously, you look at some schools that um, like uh, you look at some schools that have brought through other talent that do train in rings, and uh, like their first matches on shows compared to a lot of people like. And other schools that don't have rings, um, their first matches on shows, you can see that 
they are so much more comfortable around the ring. Um, for a good wee while, they probably do more stuff like off the ropes or this, that and the other thing. Um, so there is positives and negatives to both, I guess. It's just, I, I, I don't get, you know how you get some people that it's, thankfully it's less and less now, but there used to be a while where you'd get some people that were like, really, like, <laughs> they had real strong opinions about what was the best way to get trained. And I'm like, there's enough good wrestlers coming out that both could, like, numerous schools doing it different ways. They're all, they're all producing good talent. So just, doesn't matter how folk are trained, I don't think. I mean, and the, and the big picture of it is as long as the wrestlers are safe and they're they're putting on matches to entertain people. I mean, wrestling's subjective. So uh, one yeah. thing could be you could probably do two moves but have the biggest reaction to a match than doing 10 flip doodles and still get the same reaction. So uh, yeah. wrestling's that weird thing where everyone's everyone's got an opinion. It doesn't mean everyone, everyone's right at the same time. Aye. Exactly, um, aye. So, what was the first bump? I hear the first bump is the worst thing ever. Oh, the first bump was awful. <laughs> Absolutely awful. Doesn't matter how many times you're told to tuck your, tuck your chin when you're taking your bump. I think the only time, and I could be wrong, there probably is wrestlers out here that didn't do this, but for me, the only time I really learned to tuck my chin when I was bumping was after the first bump when I didn't tuck my chin and rattled my head. Um, and trust me, you never want to do that again. Um, see, once you have been training for a while or after your first day, see when you see other people's first day. Um, and I don't mean in terms of talent or anything like that, um, but see if you watch people take their first bump, you can tell right away whether or not wrestling's going to be for them. <laughs> you either take that first bump and think, nah, I'm never coming back here. But you take that first bump, you don't like it, but it's not a deal breaker and you can very quickly see if it is a deal breaker for people and <laughs> to be honest I don't blame them if it is a deal breaker for them <laughs> that, that's always the fear I've always like tempted to, to do at least one class so I know what it's like um, yeah. but the, just the sheer thought of having to put so much brain power into falling on my back I'm just like going nah I'll just watch it I'm quite happy <laughs> just to watch it but I'm, I'm fascinated by by like well we'll get on to to the dojo seminar later on yeah. but I'm fascinated by just the little things that are put into it now and uh, how how uh, it's just amazing to me how little can be done to make the, the most reaction it's just uh, when you see it done it's wrestling you just go wrestling this is easy wrestling's easy when you think when if you get it right um, but yeah I'm, I'm never gonna the thought of doing a bump just terrifies me um, same with ropes I hear ropes are pretty bad as well <laughs> Um, I think that um, there was a good wee while, like when I like when we had first started running the ropes and stuff. So, so like you said, we didn't um, we didn't train in a ring. So when we first started running the ropes, we were doing it um, probably like went about wrong, um, and uh, because we were off a wee bit, like I was quite bad for like the only way I could describe it is I would stick my my bum out too much, almost as if I was trying to sit in the middle rope. Um, and it would mean that the rope, I would always come out for my matches and I would have horrible rope burn, sort of where, where my where, where my bum cheek and my leg would meet. <laughs> right. So um, it, made, uh, it made life quite difficult 
sitting down and standing up and that sort of stuff. So, um, but, but we're actually all right. Um, we're actually not too bad. I, thankfully, I've never had to wrestle in one of the see the places that use like wire ropes and that. That looks that looks like a deleted scene out of a saw film. I could <laughs> I could not do that at all. Um, well, I mean, you're also tall. So uh, there's an adjustment point as well, because you've got to try and get to where everyone else is just on the ropes, but you've got to stoop as well. So is that probably causing the whole leaning uh, with your arse on the rope kind of thing? Oh, I think I, I think it would have been a bit nice to me there. I think I was just messing it up for for a bit too long, to be honest with you. For a bit too long. That's been, that's been the story of my career so far, that I, I learned that I'm doing something wrong when I start to hurt myself. <laughs> I mean, as, as long as it's not serious, it's not the worst way to go. Uh, yeah. So, how long was it between training and your first match? Uh, I was I was quite lucky. I was less than a year. I was lucky. Um, like I trained with people that, and I say this a lot, and a lot of people think I'm just trying to sound nice, and, that, and I'm I'm being deadly serious when I say that I trained with a lot of people at Airdrie that um, were better than me. They what they were. Um, they were more talented than me. Um, just I had the either advantages that maybe they didn't have, where I was able to get myself to every show that we were helping at. Um, I was able to get myself to an awful lot of the sort of promoting gigs as well. Um, again, like I said, I had the advantage of I was only at uni at the time. I I didn't have a I had my student loan coming in. I didn't have a a part-time job or anything like that. I still stayed with my mum and dad, so my availability was was a lot sort of more than other people had. Um, and then I managed to debut less than a year after it, less than a year after I started. It was in an eight-man tag. Um, quite a few other people. Um, Eddie Sideburns was in it, and he's one and only wrestling match. Eddie Sideburns was in it. Um, who else debuted on that? There was... Alec Draven, I don't know if you remember him. He wrestled for a wee bit. Um, name. Yeah. With Alec Draven, uh, there was Kieran Class was in it. He was in my match. And then yeah, the, mo the more experienced guys in it were like um, Big Colvin um, or David the Beloved or um, yeah, Krychek. He was in it. Sakiba Lee was in it. Um, Big TJ was in it as well, so it was quite a quite an easy shift to be honest with you. You're lucky if I had two or three things to do, um, but no, I was I was really lucky that I was I was less than a year before I debuted, um, so I I cannot complain about that at all. So it wasn't long till I saw you for the first time, which sounds so romantic when I put it like that, <laughs> uh, but. What really caught my eyes was uh, things like your promos and that. I found you very charismatic, which is always a good thing for. Uh, that's how. That's that's how you catch my eye for wrestling. It's not so much the, the fancy moves. If you've got a bit of charisma about yeah. you, I'm there. Uh, which was rock and wrestle. Uh, oh yeah, when yeah. I first saw you, uh, that was a very weird day for me in general because I was driving Joey Legend and uh, <laughs> Crusher Crabe to the show. Oh, right. uh, again, my wife is involved in this because she had. It was me. Crusher Crabe, Joey Legend, and her in a Renault Clio. 
It was like a clown <laughs> car. There's, it's, the car was not very long for, for this world after that. So you were teaming with, uh, I've, I've wrote down Joe Hendry, but I think there was Saqib was there as well. And I think Donny T, possibly. Oh, yeah. Uh, you're against Joey Legend, uh, Luke King Sharp. And again, I've wrote no more names in that. So that's handy. Well, you, of course. I, yeah. There's a lot of big names in there. A good lot of names, uh, including Joey Legend, of course, uh, who is a former, I would say, WWE guy, but he was there for a month. Uh, yeah. TNA <laughs> guy. So what was it like going to think with that? That possibly would have been your most high-standing opponent at that time. Would that be correct? Uh, most yeah, no, definitely. Definitely. I um, Rotten Wrestle, Rotten Wrestle was quite quite good to myself. They gave me quite a lot of opportunities um, quite early on um, and again I think it was a case of sort of right place right time um, a lot of my opportunities when I first started were more so because of purely down to the fact that I could drive um, and that I was available at the weekend so I could take um, I was happy to drive up other talent and help with the ring and everything obviously um, sort of got me a foot in the door Um that match, um, I can only I can only vaguely remember that match. Um, I remember at the time, um, obviously with Joey Legend. I had never I'd never wrestled Joey Legend before, um, and obviously all we'd heard is that um, he was best mates with, with Edge and Christian. Of course, his <laughs> best mates with Edge and Christian. And Joe's a you know yourself. Joe's a lovely guy. Joe is an absolutely Anytime you talk to him, he's, he always gives you the time of day. He's a nice guy. Um, but my God, does he love a name dropper? <laughs> does he love a name drop? And it, pro- like, it probably doesn't mean it, but he loves the whole... Because um, it must be awkward. It must be awkward at times. Like, if he does, if he has genuinely known them for years, you would call them their actual names. Um, but quite often, if you're talking to him... Um, and he's telling you a story, he'll slip in the whole, yeah, Adam and Jay. And then he'll catch himself, oh, I'm sorry, I mean, Edge and Christian, you know, right, very good. <laughs> but, um, uh, I can't remember the ins and outs of that match, but um, I know that any anytime, anytime, and unfortunately it's not been as often as I would as I would like that we've sort of crossed paths, but anytime I've had to do anything with Joe Hendry, he's nothing but a, he's a gent and he's a, a, a big gent um, he always looks after people um, he's a lovely big guy um, but I like I said Rotten Wrestle were good I always enjoyed the crowds up at Rotten Wrestle as well um, I think it's because we were starved of wrestling I think what we had WCL yeah. came up once a year that was it Aye. that's all we had at that end I mean if we went two hours the other way of course you'd have WrestleZone but from that end all he had was maybe Keith Ness Pro every so often but yeah. you think Inverness I mean SWA is picked up of course but you would think Inverness would have a bit more of a regular kind of show because it's, yeah, it's, it's Highland Capital and all that jazz. Yeah. Um, yes, Joey Legend does love a name drop. And uh, <laughs> I, I've i had many a car journey with them, including one where my car broke down on the way <laughs> and it would only go into third gear. So I drove him from Aberdeen <laughs> to Inverness in third gear at 30 oh. miles an hour. <laughs> so that was a three and a half hour journey 
and oh. oh i heard all about i again it was lovely and it was amazing because you know i'm just i'm a guy with a blog but yeah i heard a lot of uh, adam jay and terry of course rhino i heard oh, them yeah. as well got yeah. got all the stories so it was <laughs> yeah he's, he's absolutely lovely but he, he knows he knows how to throw in a name when he needs to oh <laughs> yeah absolutely absolutely my memories of that was i think it was now it's gonna sound totally weird if i'm right but uh, i think it was nice silver Pan, uh, silver tights, hairbands, oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, cut-off t-shirt with uh, I the Krieger, which helped oh. me immensely for remembering how to say your name. <laughs> Where, why why oh, Krieger? Um, I was a... Um, I like... So, my dad's favourite... My dad's favourite wrestler, and he was me, was Ultimate Warrior. Um, so, when I started wrestling, I wanted my name to be... Something to do with Ultimate Warrior. Um, so I put Warrior into Google tra- <laughs> Google Translate, uh, scrolled down a wee list and picked the one that I thought um, sounded the coolest. Um, I was I was told that... Um, so a lot, of, a lot of people say my name uh, Krieger. Um, and I used to get really annoyed at that. I still... I, I, it doesn't bother me all that much. Um, but I used to, I used to really get annoyed at it, saying that's that's not my name, blah blah blah. Come on, I'm like, um, and then I had, <laughs> I had a, a car journey once from. I had to go to a show at the Civic Centre and pick up um, Alistair Black and drive him to a show in Dumbarton. Um, when he was on, I wanted to say he was on first half main in Motherwell, and then he was on main event in Dumbarton. So. It's quite tight, um, and we were talking away. And uh, apparently, I thought that I had chosen the German word, but apparently, or at least I think, the word for warrior is the same in both German and Dutch. And I was told in no uncertain terms by Alistair Black that I was pronouncing it incorrectly. <laughs> and I was told that very early on in the journey. So the rest of the journey, the rest of the journey was was incredibly awkward. Uh, I thought you were going to say because there was a character in Archer that was called Krieger at the time as well. So there was a bit of a confusion. But yeah, as soon as I saw I the Krieger, I was like, got it. Now I'd say it. Easy. But there, there was a good point. That's why I liked doing written reviews initially because I didn't have to say these things. As long as I, I spelt it right, it was fine. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, so from there, I mean, I was looking through... I was, I was, I'm trusting the Germans for a lot of my research at Cage Match. Yeah. <laughs> uh, just going through your list of people that you faced, and uh, even in your first year or two, you had guys like uh, Lionheart, yes, yeah. uh, Noam Dar. Uh, uh, you got the, the Polos as well. You had a, you've had a fair, fair lineup of some of the best in Scotland. Um, is there any particular match in your in your first year that you remember that that you learned? a lot from or you particularly enjoyed? Um, I'll, I'll be honest, I forget in terms of like what was actually like in what year and stuff. Um, talking about um, talking about like Noam, for example, um, myself and Lou wrestled Noam and Lionheart in a tag match. Um, again, in Dumbarton, funnily enough. Um 
And I know that was one of Noam's last matches before he he went over when he was on Eddie Run on Raw. Um and that that was a that that match stands out because one it was a it was a that would be a massive match for his obviously if it was to happen at any point. But um it was a really big match for me and Lou at the time because we hadn't been tagging together all that long. And then you're in with obviously two of the best that Scotland's produced. Um obviously in Noam and Lionheart. Um so that that match that match really stands out. Um and then like like you said, we were we were really lucky. Um obviously I know Lou's been wrestling a good bit longer than myself, but when me and Lou first sort of started tagging as well, like like you said, we wrestled the polos early on. We wrestled like we were just talking about Lionheart and Noam. So we sort of again we we were lucky as a team that companies took the chance on us and gave us um, the big matches early on and we had to sort of learn on the job so we were really lucky in that regard as well. Um, so I'll probably speak a lot about your tag teams because you, uh, you, you've somehow, I think you don't even know how this has happened, but you've mm-hmm. become a tag team specialist in Scotland. Um, so when I was speaking to Lou, from what I remember anyway, because I have a me- terrible memory, uh, his, he was saying that pretty much you're thrown together as a, a team yeah. of the week kind of thing for yeah. uh, for a show and somehow you were stuck together from that point onwards. So what was your thoughts going into that, that tag team and being put together? Was it just a, well, this will just happen once kind of thing or was it something you kind of clicked onto as soon as it happened? No, so um, we, were ne- we were both nervous for that that match um, because we were replacing quite a quite a well-known tag team we were replacing quite a well-known tag team and we were wrestling uh, Gradle and Kenny um, so like one if any time you're replacing a well-known person it's obviously it's a wee bit nervous because you're like oh, what if it's a nobody wants to be the disappointing replacement you know and then um Wrestling Grado and Kenny as well, do you know what I mean? They're both, like, you've seen everything they've done in their careers so far, do you know what I mean? Um, I was also, I was quite nervous about it as well because when I was training, when I was first sort of getting on shows and stuff like that or doing training matches, one of the sort of bits of feedback I kept getting, nobody was telling me not to do certain things, but they they were all telling me to um, sort of, be aware that a lot of the stuff I was doing character-wise was quite similar to um, basically saying that obviously you don't want to come out and be like look as if you're trying to copy what Lou done obviously if you've come out the same school and stuff like that um, you don't want to look as if you're just copying what Lou's done so I, thought, I was a wee bit nervous about that um, and then it did just sort of it just clicked do you know what I mean like me and Lou had always at the time we started tagging together, we weren't particularly close, um, purely because we trained at different branches of the same school, so we didn't really see each other all that much. Um, so we were both nervous going into it, but then as soon as we, as soon as we got to talk more, um, our personalities just clicked, and then we were actually wrestling as well. Um, probably because our characters were so similar, um, it just just fell into place and then we just went from strength to strength um, I think we were lucky as well that both is um, 
none of us were really caring about, even for the start, none of us were really caring about getting like our stuff in. It was more so because like people think I'm, I'm not saying this to put me in low down, but myself or Lou, none of us do a lot of moves anyway. <laughs> do you know what I mean? So we don't have, we don't have loads to try and get in. Um, and it was just like a, just a perfect storm for us, to be honest. I mean, like like I said, like wrestling, you could do two moves and get the the most reaction ever. So, um, it's it's just one of those things. And it wasn't too long before you were uh, winning tag gold, and it was against uh, Grado and Kenny, wasn't it? You beat for the titles. Yeah, I it was against against Grado against Grado and Kenny. Um, when we won the, the the night we won them, we only we only had one belt. Grado had left his in the house, <laughs> so, so we only had one belt to celebrate with. Um, but they they were they were they were good too. It was brilliant brilliant wrestling wrestling they two at the time because they were um, obviously Grado's Grado's Grado Grado's Grado's the top baby face anywhere he wrestles, um, and Kenny was Kenny was very popular as well. So um, for us two as a as myself really knew wrestling at the time. Um, and me and Lou really knew as a team for us to get a chance to go in with them um, and then to beat them. It really sort of it set our run off really well because it immediately sort of gave us a bit of credibility with the, with the crowd and right away it gave us that bit of heat as well. Um, so no, it was it was brilliant getting to work there too and then obviously for, to be the guys that beat there too really sort of gave us a wee a wee boost right for the off. Absolutely. And then you held it for what? I didn't write down how many days, but it was if it felt like at least two years or something like that. A very long time yeah. anyway. Yeah. Um, and in that time, you'd also uh, won tag titles with Matt Tyson as well as part of Trinity. Yeah. Uh, I didn't think I'd be speaking about Trinity. Because <laughs> 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 nobody speaks about Trinity. <laughs> 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 Uh, not in a bad way. I'm just saying, it's, it just seems it's, it's one uh, obscure thing that it, it, people don't don't uh, think about. But it is part of your tag team lineage, uh, for lack yeah. of a better term. So, uh, from listening to things like uh, Jason Hive's podcast, um, I'm very aware that you and Matt are, are pretty close friends. Am I right? Yeah. yeah. So, what was it like uh, teaming with with? I mean, with Lou, it was a guy you kind of knew and put together but with Trinity it was with someone that you're actually close to uh, so how was yeah. that? No it was that, that that was brilliant that was really really good um, obviously like you said myself myself and Matt had been mates um, so he trained at the Erdry School as well um, and he really sort of looked out for me when I first started training we immediately became became good pals Um Sort of with similar interests, you know, football and stuff like that. Um, so we really had it off right for the start. Um, so we'd be able to get a chance to to be in a team with them, and then throwing in Emily Hayden as well. She was trained at the same same Airdrie school as us. Um, she was the same. She was nothing but nice to me since since I started. Um, so it was just it was just really really good fun, and it's the only way I can describe it. Um, both of them were both of them helped me massively when I first started because like they let me do like 
what might have been daft ideas. Like not they both sort of let me try out my ideas on these shows. Um, not this isn't knocking anybody, but if you were ever there, like they were never well attended shows, so we were able to go out and try stuff and figure out whether it worked or not, figure out if it was getting a sort of reaction or anything like that. Um, or we felt that we could use these shows as a chance to try out some stuff. Um, and they were both brilliant because none of them ever says to me, which they could have done, none of them ever says to me, no, don't don't try that, it's not going to work, this, that, another thing. They let me find that out myself. Do you know what I mean? Sometimes I found it the hard way. Like That was obviously rubbish because people are bored of that. But... Um, it was. It was just. It was. It was really good fun. And then, obviously, throwing in the fact that we ended up getting to win. That was our first. That was my first title. Um, so getting to win that with somebody that still is one of my better mates was brilliant. Um, I still. I, technically, I'm still that tag team champion because I was. I was never pinned. I was never beaten for that. Um, <laughs> so what happened? I ended up getting blackballed for that company. By the way, <laughs> well. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was the champion because um, I didn't know this, but apparently, in having that title, that meant that I was automatically free for every one of their dates that year, and I was never told that. <laughs> um, and I, um, I got offered a like a much bigger opportunity, which has now grown any regular work and probably my highest profile work. Um, and obviously, took it. Um, and it fell on the same day as one of their shows. So I messaged the company and said, that this is like a month in advance, and I'd never been contacted about the date either, but I just messaged him, like, heads up, I've got another booking that day, so I can't do that. And I didn't get a message back, heard through the grapevine that, I, that other people were telling them that I was never going to be back there. And then uh, Matt Tyson <laughs> had to do a handicap match that show. And got beat for the titles when I wasn't there. So, yeah, I get um, I get barber shop windowed for that company. Wrestling's weird. <laughs> yeah, wrestling is very, very weird. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the company uh, folded not long afterwards. So, I mean, <laughs> even if oh, you were, yeah. if, if yeah. you were uh, for those dates, it, it wouldn't have mattered <laughs> that much longer. <laughs> um, and. And you are also, I think you still are actually, W3L Tag Team Champion with uh, TJ Rage. Yeah. So yeah. that's, I'm, I'm assuming, because from when I, when I watch TJ Rage wrestle, he looks really nice when he comes out. And then as soon as the bell rings, his face like drops and becomes like <laughs> the most intense individual I've ever seen. Uh, <laughs> so what's it like actually having your trainer be your tag team partner and, and doing, uh. doing stuff with him? I've been thinking like at times at times I take it for granted, but I've been I've been I've been really lucky. Like Lou, Matt and TJ, like the three of my best mates in the world, like either in or outside of wrestling. Um so I've been really lucky that I've got to do a lot of tagging with all three of them. Um I love, I love, I have so much fun. Uh, when I'm in a team with TJ, um, also the fact that I learn, I always learn a lot off of the big man as well. Like obviously, I give him, I give him his place, I give him his respect. The big man taught me, like everything. I mean, I'm no, I wouldn't be on any shows if it wasn't for his hard work. So like, 
I always I'll throw in some ideas, but I'll sort of take a back seat and let him be the one that sort of puts stuff together and this and that. And I always come away for the matches feeling as if I've learned something. Do you know what I mean even if it's the way he's put something together, or or even if it is a reason why he's shot down one of my ideas, um, or a way that he's tweaked one of my ideas to make it better, I always come away learning something from him. Um, and he's just, he is. He's just. He's just a fun guy to be around. Um, I never come away for teaming, teaming with TJ. Like It never feels like work. It always just feels as if you're just hanging about with your mate and having a laugh. Um, so I, I can't I can't say enough good things about the big man. It must be a bit of a different dynamic as well, because from the matches that I've, I've seen anyway, uh, usually it's, it's you in the corner getting ready for the hot tag from Lou yeah. who takes the beating but in your matches with TJ it's, it's usually our way around so you're the guy that's Aye. getting beaten up and having to drag yourself to the corner so uh, yeah. it's it's yeah between all your tag team partners that you've got you, you kind of get a good round off of just about everything when it comes to tag yeah. team wrestling Aye no I, I like that as well I like the fact that like you said like it it makes sure that I'm sort of constantly need to be on my toes. Like you say, then we Lou, I need to work on one set of skills and with TJ, I need to work on another. Um, so it's good to try and get get the sort of, as sort of probably Jackie old trades master and none, to be fair, but <laughs> gives me enough experience and mostly, hopefully. I mean, also, I mean, if TJ ever decides to stop which doesn't sound like he will anytime soon I've always found him to be like the, uh, great like a, a big show kind of thing a utility man yeah. who will just go if you need a guy this, this bit of the card tag team just the opening match put TJ in there you're kind of you, you can get the tone you need quite easily yeah. and you're going to get a solid yeah. match out of it as well um, but yeah, you're, I mean, your, your tag team prowess as well is just yeah something that I've I've be able to see because, of course, you're yeah, we up here at WrestleZone as well and became tag champions there, uh, also. So, what's that now? Six tag four, no, five. No, I've written down four, yeah, five, five tag team titles, uh, from well, five different companies anyway that you've held tag team titles in now. Um, so with W3L, you end up working in front of a lot of kids, and WrestleZone is pretty much the same, but you have your regulars that are well into everything uh, so what's it like going into a, a new environment a new crowd do you kind of treat it the same or is there an adjustment period for you um, it's um, I think Wrestle Zone was a bit um, a bit different from, from from the rest I think but like in a in a, in a really good way um, because Obviously, it is a cliche, but like you need to, whatever show you're on, you you need to assume that nobody in the crowd has any idea who you are when you start wrestling, um, unless unless you're a, a grado or a, a a real household name. Um, so I think that's the attitude you need to have. But um, I loved, I really loved the fact that when you were up wrestle zone, that. Well, I love I love it, and I, and I don't love the way that there's so much 
so much amazing talent in WrestleZone that almost feels as if it's um, the the like the whole company is like one of the best kept secrets. Do you, do you know what I mean? Like obviously everybody in Scottish wrestling knows WrestleZone. I'm not saying that the company isn't well known at all, but I mean, but like for example, the the main one that stood out was when I went up there. For example, was like like Damien. Do you know what I mean? Like I, I know obviously he ended up going down and he done he done one of the tournaments in Glasgow and stuff, but just to use him as an example, like how he wasn't everywhere in Scotland, I don't know. Um and you went up to WrestleZone and we we had a lot of we had a lot of matches with the rejected. Um and they were they were an absolutely brilliant tag team. They are a brilliant tag team. Um and we went up there and they were you know yourself, they were so over up there. Um, I really enjoyed the the sort of it felt like a different different sort of culture up in WrestleZone as well. Um, every time I went up there, I was treated so well. It's a brilliantly ran company as well. Um, all the guys are lovely. I've got a lot of time for Scotty. Um, but I it was WrestleZone was a really nice blend of. It still is a family show, but it's got storylines as well. Um, so it was a really, a really interesting and a really good company to work for. Um, for years before I was up there, um, Lou was always singing their praises, and they kept saying to me, "You need to try and get up to WrestleZone. You need to try and get up to WrestleZone." Um, and then just um, one time, I managed when we managed to actually get in there. It was everything Lou had said it was going to be and more. It's a brilliant place to work. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those places where the fans are so into it as well. Because when we yeah. when we come through, I live in Elgin, so I'm about an hour and a half away in the car, and uh, usually we make a day of it. Because if, if if the wife is going to the show, her caveat is always, "Well, I'll go to the wrestling, uh, but we're, I'm getting a pizza hut. That's our rule. We get a pizza <laughs> hut, go to the wrestling, and then we eat the uh, the garlic." Um, bits off the yeah. crust. That's that's our tradition for the wrestling. Unless it's a rumble and she just wants to go to the wrestling, which I'm not <laughs> uh, fussed by. Um, but yeah, when you go past an urn hotel, for example, the show starts at six. Go past at one o'clock in the afternoon, and there's a queue. Yeah, it's just nuts. Um, and yeah, Lou, I've, I spoke to him in depth about because I, I think half half the reason I've started this podcast is kind of just to sing the praise of the wrestlers. And I seem to mention them in every one I do because. Like you're saying, it is. It's like a secret. They they run yeah. run Aberdeen Anarchy once a year, over a thousand people, and yet nobody seems to mention them except me. <laughs> but yeah. you 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 did get an Aberdeen Anarchy. You got two actually. Uh, but the yeah. one that I'm, I'm going to speak about is, of course, another tag team match. It wasn't with Lou, uh, who wasn't available at the time, but it was against Grado and Santino. Yeah. <laughs> so. Again, twelve. This is now twelve hundred people. So maybe not the biggest crowd you've had, but up there with one of the biggest crowds yeah. you've wrestled in front of. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, what was it like going to that match? I was so nervous going into that match. So nervous going into that match um, because I think I think one of the main reasons I was nervous about that was um, it was the first. This this, sound, this might sound daft, but it was the first like import I had wrestled. 
Uh, and uh, <laughs> it was the first time ever for me that the guy I was wrestling, um, so Gredo had planned his spots. Santino, obviously wildly more experienced than me. He didn't want to plan anything at all. <laughs> and it was me that had paired up with him. And he did not want to plan a single thing. And he just kept saying to me, firstly, I was I was thrown off all day when I introduced myself to him and spoke to him and stuff. And he didn't have an Italian accent. <laughs> that had just... <laughs> <laughs> that had just blown that had, that had shattered my, my idea of the world um, but he didn't want to plan a single thing and for some reason I don't know what corner of my brain it came out of, but I remember reading somewhere at one point that he is like a he's like a black belt in judo or something um, or he, he's, he's a real ticket and uh, he just kept saying to me anytime I tried to plan something he just kept saying oh, just, just listen to me and we'll We'll play about it there, just listen, blah, blah, blah. And the whole time I'm thinking to myself, firstly, I'm really worried because I've never done, I'd never done that before at that stage. And two, I'm thinking to myself, whatever he wants to do to me out there, I cannot stop him. <laughs> he is going to make me look so stupid in front of 1,200 people. Um, but they were so, they were so good. Anytime you wrestle Grado, it's a laugh. Um, but it was it was so so good to us. Um and I loved that match. I really, really did. Um it was brilliant. I was so nervous at the time during it. Was so nervous during it. It was one of the ones that if I could go back, I would I wish I could have relaxed a bit more in it and actually enjoyed it while I was in it, if that makes sense. Um but looking back on it, it was a brilliant experience. Sadly I didn't enjoy it as much as I should have done at the time because I was a bit too nervous but um, aye, that was that was a great laugh it was brilliant uh, then you, you seem to have stuck around as well uh, every so often for yeah. the, the shows um, and even turning up as a surprise for Arden Arcade 2019 in the pre-show which yeah. I was buzzing for because I didn't have a, I didn't have a ticket uh, for the pre-show but uh, it's one of the very few times I've pretended to be a journalist to go do you mind if I just just let me in just let me in yeah. For, uh, I, I hate I, I hate myself for ever doing it. But it's like I write about you like every year, every month. Just, just, just give me the. I'll pay for the whole. I'll pay for the actual show, and then here you come. Here comes Krieger for the uh, for a interrupting of triple threat. How how did that happen? Was that just again right place, right time? You you drove someone up and had your. Uh, gear? I I know um, it was one of the ones where. Um, so somebody, I don't know who, and I, I'm not saying let down like in a bad way, but because I generally don't know what the reason was, but basically whoever was meant to drive pack up to that show um, couldn't. So Scotty messaged me, only a day or two beforehand. Um, Scotty messaged me a day or two beforehand um, saying, like, is there any chance you can help us out, drive pack up, blah, blah, blah. Um, we'll give you a spot in the show um, and I was like aye of course um, obviously that was great as well saying you get to pick somebody like that's brain um, when they drive up sadly I had Ian Skinner on the motor as well so that was a 
that was a <laughs> so um, we were driving up um, and then we got in and then it was oh, I'm forgetting I'm forgetting a name which I'm going to feel horrible about um, but we had uh, obviously it was Caleb Valhalla who is just I, the guy's brilliant isn't he? the guy if you to draw a wrestler Oh, yeah. I, I, <laughs> if you draw a wrestler. He just um, looks like I've, a god. It's ridiculous. Oh, I've never felt more self-conscious standing across the ring for him. Um, Irvin Garrett. And I think it, it was Caden Garrick. I think yeah, it was yeah. Um, so, no, I had a lot of fun there. A lot of fun. Um, obviously, um, you were caught between a rock and a hard place. You've got big, big Caleb that can... Flick, he can fling you a bit and you, you don't have a choice. Do you know what I mean? I can try and sandbag him all I want and <laughs> he's still launching me. And then if you turn the other way, you've got um, Irvin Garrett that can tie you up in knots. And then you've got Caden, whose strikes are brutal. So I was like, oh, just I'd pick your poison in that one. Was it worth um, it? <laughs> no, any, any time... Anytime you, I get a chance to go up to WrestleZone, it's a lot of good fun. Obviously, I understand um, I understand the sort of logistics of stuff and that sort of thing, um, that it is sort of few and far between. And like I've said, the amount of talent they've got as well. Um, but no, I love going up to WrestleZone. So um, that was a great opportunity. I was delighted when it came up. So, so for those listening, that's the WrestleZone portion of the podcast done. Uh, we'll move on to other things. Uh, yeah, except uh, I'm, I'm just when you're saying it is, is a is a um, like a, a kept secret. That's why I'm just like every time someone mentions it, or if I get a chance to, I'm like we have to speak about it so much. Um, anyway, we'll move on. So Discovery is also another place that you kind of made your mark in. Yeah. Uh, again, with with Lou primarily uh, as part of of Pure Dead Brilliant. Yeah. And you got in the ring with with guys like uh, Bad Bones. Um, so when you're, when you're standing across from again, Bad Bones is a guy that comes across to me as just a scary dude. Uh, <laughs> so I was like going in the ring with with likes of him. Um, I've heard all these stories um, about Bad Bones and stuff. Um, I've had nothing but good experiences with Bad Bones. Um, I think I was, I think I was again, I think I was lucky that. Um, a lot of the people I was I was around, you know what I mean? Like at Discovery and that, like, obviously when he was there, I would sit and I would talk to guys like BT Gun and stuff. Um and obviously um so it's one of the ones when you walk in uh, if there's somebody in the, the sort of changing room that you don't know if they see you they see you talk talking and you've got a rapport with some of the more experienced guys, a lot of them obviously soften up to you. Um but no it was Bad Bones was he. He was a good guy. He was a good guy to wrestle as well because um, obviously he's a guy you could learn a lot from, and also if you were to impress Bad Bones, um, he's a good guy to have on side as well. Um, I'm trying to remember who it was that Bad Bones was teaming with. I can't remember. Um, um, off the top of my head, I think it was Dave Conrad. I want to say Michael Chase. I'm not sure if it was Michael. Might Chase. have been. I can't. I honestly can't remember. I honestly cannot remember. Um, but no, that was good. Um, I think that was one of my first matches in Discovery as well. 
because um, Discovery was a place that I was I, I was trying to get in for ages and ages and ages. Um, we watched their shows and obviously all their shows were brilliant. Um, they're bringing in all these sort of names and this, that and the other thing. They've got a, a lot of buzz online. Um, and I was trying to get in Discovery for ages. Um, and then when you did go in, you were, just, you were so desperate to, to be able to sort of try and solidify a spot in there. Um, and then to, to get in and then get to wrestle guys like Bad Bones and that, it was, again, I was really lucky. I was really lucky that they gave us the opportunities. Uh, yeah, uh, and you guys just, when whenever there was Discovery show on from that point onwards, pretty much you were there uh, as well. So yeah. it was definitely uh, solidified your, your spot. Um, so uh, I'm going to make five star a whole separate thing in a second, but we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll get there. Uh, so in, D- in Denmark, you're in Denmark in 2018 as well, which of course, uh, Lou is, is fairly into that scene. Um, and yeah. you faced Nitro Green. Was that a kind of, uh, was again, happy stance because you knew Lou, you were able to get in there. Or was it one you, you kind of just worked your way? Yeah, towards? I, th- I think that, I think that Lou had, I think that sort of connection certainly helped. Um, Nitro Green, he'd been over and he'd done the holiday part. He'd done a week in the holiday part run with us. Um, him and Lou are really good pals. Um, so he came over. So Miko came over and he stayed at Lou's house for either a week or a fortnight. I can't remember. And Lou managed to get him on the holiday part run for that week. Um, and then we became quite pally as well. Um and I think all that sort of came together and we ended up getting over. Um, and I got to wrestle him. Um, and it was, as a, as a brilliant experience. It was my first time, my first time being like abroad wrestling. Um, and I managed to, it was main event against the champ for the title and stuff. So, aye, that was a, a, a brilliant experience. It's something, something I wish I could do more of. I wish I could, I wish I went. Managed to go abroad a bit more, um, but I love Denmark. Denmark was a brilliant place to wrestle. Um, I was <laughs> such a fun weekend. Um, just brilliant laughs. Um, <laughs> as that was a brilliant, brilliant weekend. Did you find you had to change any of your kind of style to for an audience that may not have understood what you said, or did you find that actually helped? Um, I had to be. I probably was a bit less less vocal. Um, obviously, especially back then, a lot of what me and Lou was saying was um, it probably was like Scottish humour. Um, so I sort of did have to change what I was saying, um, change a couple of bits off as well. If, if anything, it was maybe a bit more a bit more a generic bad guy, almost a wee bit sort of like. If Nitro Green was the big Danish Hulk Hogan, <laughs> here comes here comes the Scottish Iron Sheik. <laughs> so, um, right, so I, I I did need to change a wee bit up in terms of actual wrestling. Nah, they were like they they were wrestling fans. Do you know what I mean for the limited amount that that I actually do once the bell rings, um, they could they could get that. But um, character wise, I I think we did need to change a wee bit up. Uh, and of course. I, I know I said beforehand that uh, the, the big scary letters that we shouldn't say, but really you broke out in ICW as a single star initially because uh, it was part of this Kenny Williams forever forever trainee uh, yeah. bit. 
uh, which when I was doing my research, I went through your, your page, I saw you had a competition for your Forever No More t-shirt. Yeah. And I forgot, I looked at it and went, I won that. I think I'd never messaged you about it. <laughs> Just looking at it. <laughs> well, I'm I'm sure I'll I'm I'm sure I'll be able to find one in the house still because I bought far too many of the t-shirts that did not sell. <laughs> but uh, I, I was just like looking at it going, I think I actually won that competition. I can't remember <laughs> if I ever messaged you about it. Um, that was when uh, you when you were trying to get people to to what would be their gimmick name, and I think I just went for something in Spanish that translated to the fat guy. Which made me laugh. So clearly it was good. Um, but that led you to uh, a match against Ricky Shane Page. Um, yeah. And we spoke about earlier, uh, like hardcore kind of matches, or, or finding out that uh, weapons aren't all fake, as your as your mother thought. Um, so what was it like going into the ring with Ricky Shane Page? Uh, I was. I was. <laughs> But before I tell any stories, that genuinely is one of my favourite matches that I've had. Um, when I was the show before that, when I was told that it was me against Ricky Shane Page, I genuinely thought it was a rib. <laughs> I genuinely thought it was a rib because because it was a uh, Scott that told me, um, and I remember thinking to myself, "I," because I, I got on quite well with Scott. Um, me and Lou got on well with Scott, so I thought. Aye, Scott's Scott's winding me up here. I was like, <laughs> there's nothing that's happened to suggest I'm going to be the guy that gets Ricky Shane Page. Um, I think most of us had thought it was going to be somebody like Aspen that maybe got Ricky Shane Page. Um, and then then the graphic went up and I was like, oh, right. <laughs> it is me against Ricky Shane Page. Um, you know, obviously, like he's a massive name on on the Indies. So, um, to get that match against a guy like that on that stage as well um, was uh, it was amazing. Um, and then I was I had to be honest with him. Um, so when I first up introduced myself to the guy and whatever, um, and he asked me what I wanted to do, and I said something. Well, I'll be honest with you, this is my first one of these because it wasn't it didn't bill it as like a, a death match um obviously for for obvious reasons around around that time um but uh like the fans were seeing Ricky Shane Page and ICW so we knew what they were we knew what they wanted from him um so uh I say something like I've never done a match like this um I can fit my stuff in about it, but I'm going to need you to help me with like how to structure a match like this. Um, and it was nothing but nice to me. Nothing but nice to me. He didn't did take the huff that I was sort of needing a bit of help from in that regard. And he really went out his way to make sure that... Because you hear these stories about some people that come over here and all they care about is making sure that they get the please come back chant. Um but he really went out his way to make sure that he got over and I got more solidified in that company as well. Um, and then I was... I was delighted with the match, obviously. I really enjoyed the match. <laughs> obviously, we had a complete and utter horror show with the table. 
the table just would not break whatsoever for us. He's um, one of these crowbar built tables that I hear so much about. Oh, one of the big, <laughs> one of the big, insanely, insanely strong tables. Um, but no, I, I absolutely loved that match. Um, the, um, I, d- I did get, if you go back and watch that match, I did get legit floored with the first forearm. <laughs> like, um, I just dropped, man. <laughs> I just dropped that sack of tatties. Um, but no, that was, I, I did really enjoy it. Um, talking, <laughs> talking about the table and that. Um, so that match, unfortunately, led to BT Gun getting injured. Remember the the really serious injury that BT Gun had, where like, remember he he done something to his hip and he was out for a while and oh, right, okay. all sorts of waiting. <laughs> so <laughs> I shouldn't have laughed, but honestly, but we'll laugh about it now. Um, because we had so much hassle in getting through that table. The table are, I want to say, Shugs, whatever, whatever it was, BT against Kez, um, and the last man standing or something. Um, they then <laughs> overly gimmicked the table so they didn't have the same situation. So, <laughs> so when BT went through it, there was no give. <laughs> like it didn't break his fall in the slightest. <laughs> So he just, he just fell from quite a great height through a table and messed up his hip. Um, so me, so me, BT and Crowbar quite often like to have the debate over whether or not I'm to blame for BT getting hurt or if Crowbar's to blame. I still maintain that it was Crowbar. Of course, yeah. So yeah, overcorrected to the point of... Of yeah, of, of injury. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, we could, yeah, like I say, laugh about it because BT is still wrestling and yeah, he's exactly. Fine. Uh, if it was the other way around, of course, we'd probably go no, 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 table. <laughs> uh, so that's of course led you to being on the WWE Network, though, because you yeah. won the titles with uh, with Lou at the Square Go uh, yeah. last year before the world ended, <laughs> and now you're on the WWE Network. So. Going back from when you started watching and you saw guys like uh, uh, Undertaker and, and Triple H and all that kind of stuff, and now you're on the same show as the, so in the same network as them. How weird yeah. is that? It's mad. It's absolutely mad. Um, it's just just surreal. Um, absolutely surreal. Um, obviously, obviously, completely understandably. Um, with the amount of hassle and the amount of so I, I can only imagine the stress they had in the lead up to the sort of content going on the network. Um so I'm not saying for a minute, I'm not suggesting that we all should have got like an individual message or this, that and other thing to tell us what we tell us what we're going on. But like I think I think the first time I knew for a fact it was happening was on Twitter when when the video went up. Um I saw a Simon announcing it. Um, and it was... It's still no fully sank in, if I'm honest with you. Um, I think MD around their sort of age, um, like, because obviously, especially when I was growing up, the only 
the only show in town was WWE, do you know what I mean? Then for so long, the only show in town was WWE, so any sort of wrestler or fan of a certain age, um, the gold, the, the sort of ultimate dream growing up was WWE, was WrestleMania or this or that. And then even if it is like in a small capacity, to be able to watch your matches under a WWE banner is madness. It's absolute madness. And one of the things that see whatever happens for here on out is something that nobody can take away from you. Um, it's I, I still I still struggle for the words for it. If I'm honest with you, it's it really is. It's see if you could go like you said. See if you could go back and tell five six year old Becklin that you're going to be on. You're going to be able to put on a WWE program at one point and see you wrestling there. It's it's, it's unreal. It really is. I, I like I've said to Emily and, and Lou for upcoming episodes, because they, of course, have done the same, that with the Peacock deal, there's a good chance that you'll be on the same network as The Office and yeah. that kind of thing, which is just even more mind-blowing to think about. Yeah. I know. I know. As it's obviously, like, for years, uh, I know that it was sort of, for years it was sort of, um, kind of ever since the sort of UK stuff started, there was always the sort of Chinese whispers around Scottish wrestling or British wrestling were like... Um, it was almost like the worst kept secret. Yeah, there was always people saying that, um, by the way, going to go on the network soon, this guy going to go on the network soon, and then, like, it had been happening that long that I think everybody sort of, we always just thought, aye, it's going to happen at one point. But then when it actually did happen, <laughs> nobody was prepared for it. Um, so aye, it was, it is, it's madness. And that another thing as well, like, obviously, obviously myself, it's like, it's amazing to be able to, only one of my matches went up so far, obviously, like, there'll be more, but, um, to be able to see yourself is crazy, but see also, like, just feel a, a personal point of view, see being able to see some of your mates on it as well, it's it's great, because, like, obviously, I, I know how hard Lou works, do you know what I mean? Like, I know how hard somebody like Dean Ford works. Um, so we see, like, people that I'm really close with getting that platform as well. It's just, it's, it's brilliant, it really is. Uh, yeah, and I mean, not in a very, very small part of that, with with the technology and that nowadays, I mean, with the Thunderdome, I'm on the WWE Network, which is weird, yeah. going back and see, it's like, I'm, I'm watching it from my, my, my bedroom in, in Elgin, and here I am on SummerSlam, looking like a dope, um, <laughs> or, well, what was it, what was, what was the most recent one, Royal Rumble. Uh, which I got booed out of again. I don't know why. <laughs> but uh, for, as soon as I saw my face, I picked up my wee belt going, I'm making sure I'm going to be seen. Here's a belt. <laughs> yes. Um, but no, uh, technology is so weird nowadays. It is, you're, you're wrestling in front of nobody in Glasgow, yeah. and yet you're yeah. going to be on one of the biggest network services in the world. <laughs> how, how does that work? How was it like uh, wrestling in front of nobody? Uh, it's... It is, it is a real, a real, um, it's a shock. Um, it's, um, a lot of the times when, especially when you're in front of like, like a decent sized crowd and stuff, 
like the sort of adrenaline gets you through. You don't realise that you're you don't realise that you're sore or you don't realise that you're tired until you're backstage again. Um, but when there's nobody there, like everything feels more sore. <laughs> yeah, it's more um, it's more apparent at the time if you're if you're tired and stuff. Um, I've actually, I've really, like, obviously, obviously we're all desperate for fans to, to be back at shows. And fans make the shows. Um, but also, just for a, a sort of human point of view, when we get to the stage when fans are back, it means that all this, all this horrible stuff, you know, in the, new, like, in the real world is beyond us. Um, so we're all desperate to get back to normal life, if you will. But um, I have, I can't lie, I've liked the, I've liked the challenge as well. Um, I've really tried to focus on like um, certain stuff in matches to try and make my matches stand out a bit more when there is no fans to sort of um, whether the fans know it or not. The fans are great for wrestlers because. A good crowd can help us sort of mask things that maybe don't go a hundred percent how we want them to go. Um, so to try and work around that without the fans there to help us through has been difficult. Um, but it has sort of it's provided us with a new challenge as well, which obviously a new challenge is going to. It's the only way we're going to get better. Do you know what I mean? We're not going to get better if we just keep doing the same thing. Um, so while I'm desperate for fans to get back, um, this is a good a good stopgap as well. It's providing us with, with new challenges and new ways to try and get better. Uh, but of course, it's not your first foray uh, in front of cameras. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we're just going to segue straight to that. Five-star wrestling. Um, so I spoke to Lou about it, which it seems to be the everyone says the same thing. We got paid. Had a good laugh. That's pretty much the the, the sound bite for it. Uh, but what was it like getting involved with with five star wrestling uh, in general? So, I am. Um, that was one of the <laughs> that was one of the ones where I only got that because I could drive. <laughs> that was the only reason I got that. Um, and uh, they needed me to learn that down. Um, so. Like Lou said, we got paid. We had a laugh. They put me on TV. Um, as however small a platform it may have been on TV or whatever, like however few people may have watched, they still put us on TV. Um, and it was a. It was. It was just we didn't have any. We didn't have any stress. Um, one they, I won't say exactly, but one they gave us like. They, they paid us a lot more than they probably should have done for what they were asking us to do. Um, like, they never had any plans for us to wrestle. Like, they never had any plans for us to wrestle. Um, <laughs> so, I, I don't really know what we were doing there. Like, I, love, I did enjoy it. I really did enjoy it. Um, but I don't think they ever had any plans for us to wrestle. Um... And uh, it, it was a really good experience in terms of it gave us a small glimpse any like when we were doing promos and stuff or then on the rare occasion they let us do an in-ring promo. Um, 
it was really good for us. It was a good experience for us to get used to, um, obviously, certain camera stuff and how tight we had to be with our times um, when it was on TV and stuff, which I know I know when you watch stuff like Botchamania and that and you see a lot of, a lot of the production errors that were there and the sort of, like, announcing main event matches before they've done the angle that, is going to lead to that main event match and stuff like yeah. that. Um, so obviously there was some there was some mistakes made there. Um, so I'm I'm the only reason I'm bringing that up is because I know there may be some people hearing me say that it helped us work towards the sort of production side of things and that and find that ironic. But um, it was invaluable experience for us and it was a laugh. Like we said, they paid us. They paid us very well, and they put us on TV. So I'm not going to complain. And and we get me and Lou get a free jumper as well. So um, so there's always that. They gave us a they gave us a free jumper um, because we had to kid on that we were ringside security and then invade the ring purely cut a promo um, and never wrestle. <laughs> so we got to keep the jumper, but. Which is incredibly warm, and I still wear it about sometimes. Which BT Gun hates, but um, so I, I, I don't really have much bad things to say about it. Do you know what I mean? Like that's the thing. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not asking the questions for people to bury it because I was fascinated because I watched it. I, well, I've tried to watch it every week, but it started just as I fit it, got in for work, so I want to have a tea yeah. first and then watch it. So I always miss the first match every time. I did my reviews going, oh, I'll go back and watch the first match. Never did. But uh, I always missed the first match, but I was always waiting to see you guys. And how I sold it to my wife to watch it was, oh, Jester's on the show, BT Gun, Lou, Krieger, who? Lou's sexy pal. <laughs> they're, all, they're all on the show. So, oh, we'll watch it then. Yeah. And yeah, just, just to see his do promos, it was like, oh, okay. <laughs> but um, yeah, so he had two moments I remember. One I'm not... I'm only remembering a photo. I don't actually remember it happening, but it might block from my memory. Uh, was getting put in the master lock. Oh, yeah. Masters. <laughs> um, and my favourite bit, well, one of my favourite bits, that and Lou drop kicking a door. My second favourite bit from the whole experience was you getting a chant for your gran. Yeah. <laughs> what did your gran think of it? <laughs> uh, I, don't, I, don't know if my, I don't know if my gran's seen it. I don't know if my grand's seen it. I know, I know my uncles and that have all seen it. So I'm assuming somebody's showed off because I think it ended up, it was one of the clips they, they shared on Facebook and stuff. Um, so I'm pretty sure she has seen it. She's never she's never brought it up to me, to be honest. And I'm scared to mention it to her in case she was like, in case it's something that's annoyed her. Because <laughs> it's no like her and no bring it up. So the fact that it's never been brought up, I was like, maybe I'm best just, just never mentioning this. Um, but I um, I can't even remember how that happened. But that that was that was that was surreal. The fact that there was a a, a chant from a from a wee grand. Um, that was brilliant. <laughs> um, with the master lock stuff. Um, again, that was like it was brilliant for us. But I was like, because also like we said, um, I think that that happened on the. That it must have been that must have been a rewrite because um, if memory serves, that happened in the Belfast show, 
which was the the last show. Um, and it was during that Beast for the East. So, and we got a ferry over. <laughs> we got a, which is easily the most terrifying experience of my life. Um, firstly, the drive up to the ferry port was awful. Then on the ferry across to Belfast in that weather was terrifying. Um, while BT Gun was strangely enjoying standing outside watching the sea, which was a real, like, I was like, that's a, if I didn't know you better, that's a, you should be on some sort of, what, there should be a documentary about you. This is, this is strange. Um, so, it was a honestly terrifying experience going over there. And then, we got there and they're like, are you, you're doing, <laughs> doing something with Carlito and Chris Masters. And I was like, oh, very good. But that's what, this is what I'm saying. They couldn't, they could not possibly have had any plans for us to ever wrestle because there was like 14 people who made it to that show and they still didn't give us a match. They still said, I got in cut up, <laughs> cut up promo. Like Chris Masters and Carlito. You know, also, why are Chris Masters and Carlito on the show for no wrestling? <laughs> like, how much money do you want to spend on these shows? Do you know what I mean? Could you imagine any other company in Britain doing that? Uh, here's, here's Carlito, he's just going to come out and spit an apple and then go up the road. Do you know what I mean? Like, what is going on there? I know, it's just, yeah, like I said, I, I'm never out to, for, for it to be buried. I'm just like, I'm just fascinated by it. Just how... Yeah. How anything went so beautifully wrong? It's just and <laughs> and the, the everlasting image. The last image is is uh, Bram flipping the bird to the the camera. I think there's nothing. There's no way you could have ended it per better. <laughs> it's just amazing. Uh, right. So that's the that's the the, the five star wrestling portion sorted. Um, so I, I've gotten my my seems to be weekly uh, wrestle zone and five star wrestling mention. Um, <laughs> So let's go to, where did you come up with the surname Scudmaster Sexy? Uh, Is it just below Gradmaster? It was, I that that was why I'd done it. That was why I'd done it. Um, so I think, I, I generally can't remember who, but I think it was when, um, it was when me and Lou kept doing our sexy dancing. Um, we kept doing our sexy dancing. And I had a couple of people making. This is before, like, I'm not saying I'm a. I'm not saying I'm going to be in the cover of Men's Health now, but um, before I lost a fair bit of weight, and there was a couple of people had made a Rikishi joke, and I was like, right, this needs to get nipped in the bud pronto. Um, so I was never going to be Scotty too haughty, so I thought I could be Grandmaster Sexy, and then I just. Tried to change it a wee bit. I wish I had a better story. I wish I had a cooler story, but it was really, I uh, come up with that name so that people wouldn't call me Rikishi. There's, there's worse reasons. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> right, let's get to pro wrestling innovation now. Um, yeah. What made you decide to, to start, to, to go into the promoting side of, of the weird world of wrestling? Uh, the, the main reason was. Um, the main reason was 
like at the time I was working towards wrestling being my like my my full time job, um, and I thought the more sort of the more income sort of streams that I had in wrestling, um, the easier that would be. Um, and then also on top of that as well, like, um, like I love wrestling. Like, I would like wrestling to be what I was able to do um, moving forward, like, as a career. Um, the, the ideal goal, the ultimate goal would be that I was able to get a contract somewhere, but there's no guarantee of that. Um, so I wanted to sort of have stuff where... If, for whatever reason, I wasn't able to achieve that goal, I still had enough here that I could still make a living in wrestling. Um, so that was the sort of main reasons why I set up the the company. Um, and then in terms of actually what I wanted to do with the company, like I've said a couple of times today, and I know, um, I know this probably is a cliche, a lot of people say it, but like I do honestly feel as if there was a lot of people training and stuff and coming through at the same time as me that were every bit as good if not better than me and I was I was really lucky that a lot of people took a chance on me when they didn't have to um, so I wanted to try and use my company to try and do that for a lot of people as well um, I'm no I don't have any sort of I don't have any false images of my, my shows I know my shows are small family shows but if I can help give people a bit of experience in front of decent-sized crowds, wrestling people that are better than them, that are going to help them get better, um, and then contribute a wee bit to their sort of start of their career, then I feel as if it's sort of the least I can do. Um, because a lot of people done that for me. And you've had some cracking names on there. You've had what, Stevie Xavier, BT Gunn, um, I think it was it was it Stevie versus Daz Black was one of the matches you had. Yeah, so on. so there's um, I've I've sort of I've tried to I've tried my best to have have it sort of mixed, like I said, between some newer guys and some guys that that can really help them because as much as two two younger guys and at times on my shows two younger guys have had brilliant matches, but I feel as if like. The only way that any is get better is by wrestling people that are better than us. Um and like the two na- like Stevie and BT, like they're two names that done it so much for me and Luge. I mean, like we were lucky enough to wrestle them five, six times a week on, on, on the parks, on the holiday parks. So um like they two were two of the first names I had to have on my shows because I know how much they'll bring bring on the younger guys uh, and of course you had the, the Young Lions Cup right the yeah. Lions Cup um, yeah. which was won by uh, Danny Edwards so yeah. again was it just another way of, of just bringing younger guys through yeah um, there was that was um, that was exactly what you said there was so many guys we wanted to try and we were struggling to get um, I was struggling to get a place on the card for all the younger guys coming through um, in terms of ma- being able to match them up with 
um, more experienced guys. So I wanted to give them something, get some sort of tournament on the go. Um, and to be fair, they everybody that was in the tournament, they they made it better than I, I thought it could have been. And that's not me saying I thought it was going to be bad, but they exceeded all my expectations. Um, and we, we did have plans this year to sort of try and branch out a bit. And because I, I know myself that the the first um the first time we done that it was very um it was sort of centered around one particular school um obviously the guys that I was more more aware of more familiar with um guys I'd seen and stuff but we did have plans to sort of try and branch out bring in some we were going to try and get some people for a couple of different schools and that and um try and help some some people um, in that regard as well. Um, and we probably still will do that um, when we come back. I'll, I'll be honest, like, regardless of what happens, I don't think I'm going to run a show again until 2022. Um, just with everything, but obviously a few different things going on that I just think I'm better hanging fire and trying to really sort everything first that I can. Um, before I think about running a show. Um, but I, I would like to do that more back. There's a lot of different things that I've not had the chance to do yet um, that I'd like to sort of be able to do when I'm able to get back to running shows. I mean, I think as well, I think the general consensus now is is this year, if there's going to be shows, it'll be galas because yeah. it's plenty spaced out and then next year, hopefully. Um, yeah. But you're not only venturing in the promoter game, you're also doing wrestling parties. Uh, yeah. You've got the Powerbomb yeah. parties with Lucha DS, who I, I spoke to him earlier in the year about, the, I think it was last year. This year? I don't know. It's all a blur now. Um, so, yeah, what, what, what brought on uh, doing that? It was just, again, another way of just having a little bit of a, a, a side yeah. hustle to, back, to go back on. Well, I, I obviously, that, that played a part, but it was also one of the things where, like, me and Lucha were, me and Lucha seemed to get, we went through a wee phase where we were getting quite a few of the gigs um, before what would set something up. Like, we'd managed to get a few of the gigs. Obviously, Lucha more in demand than most because of the mask and stuff. Um, and then we decided, we thought, like, because there's always so many people that, there's always a lot of people asking for wrestlers to attend this event or that event. Um, but there was never, at least in Scotland, there wasn't one particular place that people would go to and say, right, if I want a wrestler for this event, we want this. You know what I mean? Um, they would normally go through different companies who would offer it. Um, so me and Lucha thought that we would set up a wee, a wee sort of company um, specifically for that. Um, and we had a few, we had a few, um, a couple of birthday parties um, while we could and then with a couple of stag do's and stuff as well. <laughs> um, so, no, it was a good laugh. And then, again, like, Lucha is a, Lucha's a cracking guy. I mean, I've got a lot of time for Lucha. Um, he's just, again, he's one of the guys. He's good, funny be around, a nice guy. Um, so, to be able to do it with him, it's always a good laugh. Do you know what I mean? Um, so, no, um, again, that's something that, it's, it's strange the sort of things that, 
in any walk of life, it's stranger sort of things that you miss just now. Um, but stuff like that is what you miss, being able to go out with one of your mates for wrestling and just have a laugh um, and actually enjoy yourself. Um, so I can't wait for that to come back. That would be a good laugh whenever we can. Again, that's possibly something they could come back before the actual wrestling does, because you know, actually, there's no contact. Well, there can be no contact for that kind of thing as well. So, fingers crossed, and uh, Lucha might have to to just edit his mask a little bit. Yeah. And <laughs> he'll be sorted. Uh, right, so before we, we go on to the silly questions and the ones that I got in from Twitter, which there was loads of, yeah. and they're all pretty odd. But uh, I'm sure you'll enlighten me about them. Um, so I, I, I got in touch with you after you did the Looking Sharp Dojo Tag Team Seminar. Um, yeah. You're one of the guests I've, I've kind of always wanted to have on, but you're, you were doing a few interviews. You did a, We did Brian Alvarez for a little bit. Yeah. Uh, you did uh, Frank Mandelis. And I'm always in the case of if someone's done an interview with you recently, I don't want to like just bombard you going, oh, you spoke to them. Speak to me too. Uh, so I thought I'd give you a little bit of a break before I jumped in. But um, so what was it like getting asked to do the the tag team seminar? Uh, I saw I saw your PowerPoint. Uh, it, was, it was the one I was in, so that's that's the reason why. Uh, but yeah, so what was it like being asked, and what were your thoughts going to that? Eh, uh, so um, so Lou didn't Lou didn't actually ask me like, a specific thing to do. He just asked me if I would do a class for him. Um, said I, but then I like like I said on on that I had to think like, like I, I wasn't sure what I could what I could try and have any sort of input on um, and then obviously like I said like the, the most success like I've had has been tag team wrestling um, so I thought if if I was in a position to talk about anything that's what it would be um, I think Lou actually setting that up and obviously I know there's there's loads of other places that are that, that are offering that that sort of service and learning and stuff. Um, I think Lou setting that up um, for a lot of the trainees that that myself and Lou and TJ and that have had some sort of input on, I thought was was really good. Um, and he sort of, he, he filled a void that like, we didn't really know how to fill. Um, so like, Lou actually taking the time out of has because obviously Lou's still working stuff as well, do you know what I mean? So for Lou actually take the time to set that up and try and get the trainees some sort of opportunity to still learn. Um and he's got folk for all over. He's got folk for obviously Lou's probably Lou's hardly in the country, do you know what I mean? Lou's got contacts all over the globe. So the amount of different nationalities and that that he's brought in and then you look at some of the guests that he's lined up as well. Um for the next couple of the next couple of months is brilliant. Um, so no, I, I, I was it was nice when he asked me to do it. Um, a wee bit stressful trying to think what I could do, and then even more stressful when he told me a day before. By the way, you need a PowerPoint. <laughs> um, so I it was nice for him to ask me to do it, um, and then but when I was actually on it, it. I, pref- I personally prefer stuff like this. Let's see when me and you can sit and like talk about wrestling and sort of just bounce off each other. I prefer that to feeling as if I'm just preaching at people. And just being watched the whole time as I know, well, I suppose. I know. Um, yeah, so it was weird though, because I, I watched that. What I'm saying, what, what I'll say about the 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 online dojo is 
yeah, there's a lot of places that are that are doing the same thing. But I like that that Lou's is quite happy to let um, people like myself and Kurt Johansson and, and that come mm. in to to maybe grab people and 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 get to know and not last year way, but uh, I grab people and, and, and actually get to to maybe interview them, give them a bit of media experience, which yeah. uh, is nuts that he asked me to do it because I'm like, I, I just have Zoom. I don't have a plan from that point onwards. I wrote notes, hmm. but that's, that's it. I have a page <laughs> of notes. That's all I've got. I don't have experience. I don't have a degree. I don't have any journalistic anything. I just, just speak for a bit. Um, but yeah. I, I really <laughs> like that it's so inclusive. And the weirdest thing was after you did that, it's like, I knew I generally know the rules. I've watched it for long enough to kind of get the tag rules. But I did your sem- seminar. Next day, I watched uh, TNA Slam Reversary from two thousand and five, and it was AMW against Three Live Crew. And I was watching it, going, "Ah, oh, that's what Craig was on about. Oh, he's, they're doing that as well. Oh, they're he's made, it's like I d- didn't realize how much it filtered in until I watched a tag match afterwards, going." Oh, this is how it's done. It's, it's, I didn't know there were so many intricacies in, in that. So there was just more of a case of actually seeing it and being told what to look for. Um, right, silly questions, and we'll get onto the fan ones. My usual question is what's your favourite dinosaur? Oh, eh, I like, I like saying Diplodocus. So I'm going to say that. I don't think it's come up that often, so great. Quite like a new one when it comes through. Uh, as everyone that's listened to this will know what I'm going to say next, Turkey Dinosaur is still the best one I've got. Uh, <laughs> it's just amazing. Uh, right, and other question which was started because of Lou, and I'm keeping it forevermore, and you probably know what it is. What would win a fight? Two sheep or one cow? <sighs> great. <laughs> It's a it's a hundred percent the two sheep. I've yes. had this, this is this is the closest me and Lou have ever came to, and I'm no exaggerating here. This is the closest me and Lou have ever came to a genuine fist fight. Um, we were driving in one of the camps. And we were so bored, and I asked Lou, "I says, what do you think we're going to fight? <laughs> two sheep or one cow?" And I genuinely asked them expecting it to be common knowledge that two sheep would clearly win and he is adamant that the cow would win and I just think that that makes him stupid well I'll tell you what I've got so far from this answer and uh, he well Lou himself said he can't remember what his first answer was now he just goes with the one you you don't say um (laughs) Who else have I asked? I think I asked Alex. Well, most people have went for cow, including in Hanyadi Tomas from uh, mm-hmm. from the dojo, and he's a farmer. So I think he had he, he's got a little bit of inside knowledge. But I went for two sheep. It, for, it's, it's, a, it's a two sheep. It's a two sheep. Well, my, my argument is a cow can go upstairs, but it can't go downstairs. So as long as they can get the sheep can coerce it, the cow to go upstairs. It'll starve to death, or they could push it off something. I just think I just think that the two sheep would batter it. I don't think I don't think a cow is mobile enough to survive. No, no survive. So it's not a fight to the death. But <laughs> I don't think the cow is mobile enough to 
fend-off attackers for two different sides. I feel as if it's always going to have a, a, a sort of weak side that one of the sheep is going to, is going to exploit. Admittedly, one of the sheep is going to get messed up, but the other sheep is going to win the fight for its partner. Well, it's a question that I'm now just including on in everything because it's it's fascinating <laughs> what people's answers are. But honestly, you're the first person so far outside of myself that said two sheep. Um, so it's not looking good for the tally. Right. So <laughs> this, the questions that we got when I announced that you're going to be on the show and I did it so last minute, I was surprised I got questions because, like I said, initially I was going to bug you next week to go, right, when can I get you on? But um, we were able to arrange it for tonight. So I've got Emily Hayden, she's asked, do you think that if you swallow the pips seeds of fruit that they'll grow in your belly? Uh, yes, yes I do. Um, but, well, no, right. I don't think that if you eat seeds, it is an inevitability that something grows in your belly. But there is a possibility of it happening. There is, it's on record that it has happened to people. So, like, call me crazy, but if there is any chance of a plant growing inside me, I will more than likely avoid that. Um, basically, they used to they used to try and get me to eat tomatoes and stuff anytime any time we went out. They used to try and get me to eat stuff, specifically to eat seeds. Um, and I, I do think there is a, I do think there's a slight chance that it could happen. They like to, they like to twist it and say that I think that if you eat a seed, you're going to wake up next morning with a bloody beanstalk inside you. I don't think that, but but there is, there is a genuine possibility that, it, however slim, there is a possibility that it may happen. So I tend to try and avoid seeds, apart from pumpkin seeds, because they taste, they're tasty enough that I'm willing to take the risk. You know what? I think we're going to have a good time with these questions because I'm in agreement. And it, to the point where I will not eat sesame seed rolls. See, you're, you're, even, you're, even worse, you're even worse than me. But, but uh, maybe I've just missed something. Like, I don't even think of that. Like, what grows for a sesame seed? Well, Is I mean, it a sesame I plant or something? I don't like go, oh, it might grow in me. But there's back of my head going, I don't want to eat that just in case, you know? That's. Yeah. Oh, I agree with you. I agree with you. If there's any chance, it's best avoided. Absolutely. Uh, she's also asked to ask you about your pink tights and hairband. Uh, that was that was a that was a, a strange time in my life. <laughs> a strange time in my life. A very strange time in my life. But I did have enough self awareness to realise very early on that there is absolutely no chance that I can stand out if I try and be the best wrestler on the show. So. Let's try and be the biggest character. <laughs> Sorry, that's that's, that's, the, that's the things people remember anyway. Uh, is this actual just characters? Uh, Dean Ford asked, "Why are you not five star wrestling heavyweight champion?" Uh, I I seen that question and I I had no idea how to answer. It. I get like I, I don't know. It's it's not a company the now, so that's probably the main reason why. Um, but like I said, they never had any plans for me to wrestle. I don't think so. I was never going. I was never going to get that. Um, I think Dean just likes to to twist the knife in ever so slightly, a wee bit more. Any opportunity Dean gets, he likes to he likes to try and lose me up. Um, I mean, 
I remember when it must be the, the year after it closed. I I uh, must have been going through my mentions. I saw a five star and I I added Eddie Ryan to find out where the five star his five star wrestling championship was the real five star wrestling. Yeah. And he never got to take it home, so five star still got it. So, oh, did they not? No, uh, I, I assume Riddle still got uh, hasn't got his tap or snap championship. Uh-huh. Which their belts were lovely, but by the way, their belts oh, were amazing. Yeah, Bills just, are lovely. Aye. It's just a shame that the planning wasn't as lovely. <laughs> but no, it, 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 everything going for it, it just didn't have the management to actually, or the awareness to survive. That's just the only thing. Um, I did write down this name before I read the questions, but it still works out perfectly. Stone Malone asks about your thoughts on Gangrel. Oh, how long have you got? Uh Myself, myself and Sean McLaughlin, actually. Sean McLaughlin is a a secret um fanger and banger as, <laughs> as Gangrel calls us. <laughs> um we're both in agreement that he's he's one of the most underrated workers of all time. Gangrel was you mentioned it yourself, you remember the characters, and there is no entrance cooler than Gangrel specifically while he was in the brood. Um, when he used to give people the bloodbaths, Gangrel is an incredibly underrated character. And I think that the fact that that man is not not in the Hall of Fame is an absolute travesty. The fact that he keeps popping up in the weird, randomest of places and posters. Um, I mean, oh. he was supposed to be in Aberdeen once, and I was so excited, but then he couldn't make it. And I was like, oh, come on. Um, uh, I, would, I would be that... Uh, I, I would be so excited if I got to wrestle Gangrel. Is that, well, is that your dream match? I would, it's prob it's probably probably my realistic dream match. I um like he, he's always on the holiday parks, but he never comes up and does any of the Scottish run. Like please, just once let Gang let Gangrel battle me at Craig Tara. <laughs> I'm so up for that. That sounds that sounds amazing. Uh, yeah, just. I like I say it's, I don't know what it is about Gangrel, but as soon as you see him in the the, the red viscous liquid, of course, because they couldn't say about blood uh, back in the day. Uh, but yeah, it's just it's just nuts. And that's the kind of guys that when when I started going to WrestleZone, uh, oh, sorry guys, we were go back to WrestleZone chat. Um, <laughs> that when the guys bring up like Scotty Tuhati and X Pac, I'm like, oh, I think I've got Gangrel one year, surely. Oh, it's just made for it. I don't know how oh. they'll get the bloodbath done in the in the leisure centre or whatever, but I mean, I'd like to see them try. <laughs> uh, right, so we've got Jason Hyde asked to ask you if you think bats are real. Again, it just the big man just twists things. Right? I asked him at one point, just again on some sort of road trip. If I'm remembering this, he'll probably say that I'm not remembering this correctly, but. I'm pretty sure at one point he says he says that a bat f- flew by the car. <laughs> it was it was at night time, so potentially maybe it was Gangrel on his way back to a show. I don't know, <laughs> but he said that a bat flew by the car, and I said half jokingly, "I don't know if bats are real because I've never actually seen one in person." And then he's ran with that. He's ran with that and now says that I 
I deny the existence of arts, which I, I do and I don't, right? I've never seen one in person, so I can't say for certain that they exist. So, but if there was a gun in my head, yes, I would say bats exist, but I've, I can't verify it with my own eyes. Right, okay. Uh, <laughs> I mean, the, the person who made Batman would be fairly inventive if he's made up the whole whole uh, creature. Uh, right, so we've got also Jason. <laughs> he's asked, who's better on karaoke, him or Dean Ford? It's got, it's, it's got to be Jason, purely because... Um, Dean Ford um, Dean Ford once made me look like the biggest idiot in the world I think I remember we speaking karaoke. about this on Jason Hyde's podcast but I, um, I love the story so go for it it's, it still really does annoy me <laughs> so me me and big Jason Hyde we like we liked to sing uh, Islands in the Stream together um, we would quite often alternate between who's Kenny and who's Dolly Um but Dean Ford wanted to sing Don't Let the Sun Go Down on Me. So he went up, gave it to DJ. DJ announces, here comes Declan and Dean. So we go up. And uh, I go, he starts singing with Dean. He's like, no, 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 no. You need to wait until I say, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Elton John. So I was like, all right, okay. So I'm standing there next to Dean while Dean's getting it loudy, trying to hit all the high notes and... If you've heard Dean's promo voice, you know how good a singer he's going to be. No very good at all. Um, so he's sitting, I'll use the word singing very loosely, but he's sitting singing this song and I'm sitting there with a microphone in my hand, a whole pub looking at us, waiting for Dean to turn to me and say, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Elton John. And the song just finishes. The song just finishes. He <laughs> didn't, didn't, didn't ask for that version. He, just, he was just singing the song. And I'm just standing there next to him on a microphone like an idiot. And then Dean just walks away from me. Um, so um, that was the last time I'd done karaoke with Dean because it wasn't long before the before the world ended. Um, and I'll nobody done karaoke with him again. He's he's ruined that. He's the he's the Yoko to her bills. Uh, well, I mean, in return, I'll show you my, my worst karaoke story, which doesn't sound that bad in comparison. Um, but I was out with my mates in Aberdeen and we really wanted to, to do karaoke. And the only place that we're doing it was Cheers, which is a gay bar. And, nice. and plus the drinks are cheap. So it worked in my favor uh, because I like anywhere that's cheap to drink. So we, we chose a song. We chose Travis, Why Does It Always Rain On Me? So <laughs> we chose possibly one of the most depressing songs to sing in a gay bar. So that, that, was, that was my... <laughs> Oh, that was a eventful night with my mate stomp, stomping away because an old man came up to him and grabbed him and went, you'll do. And he, he, <laughs> left, he left wearing uh, my mate's girlfriend's jacket going, oh no, we've got to go now, we've got to go. <laughs> Just... <laughs> so yeah. Had, um, so Matt, um, uh, Matt Tyson, he used to be the bouncer in Katie's in Glasgow, which was, the, it was like a, a drag bar. Um, and we would regularly, if we were going to nights out, we, we would get, we would go for a couple of drinks, and then we would go there for the last hour of his shift, and then he would either come out with after that, or he would drive us up the road after his shift finished. Um, some of the nights here in there were <laughs> were absolutely tremendous. 
Um, so I can easily say that the best nights out are in the gay bars, 100%. Absolutely. They do 50p shots when I went. It's a long time ago now, but they had 50p shots and it was just the best night. Uh, and it was my mate that got groped and I didn't. So it was even better. Uh, which I was actually, it was one of those weird things where I was slightly offended, but not. Because I didn't want anyone to do it. But I'm thinking, am I any good looking enough? Anyway, right, that's a whole other story. So uh, Frank Mandolini's asked to just to ask you if you remember him. I could not. I could not forget. I could not forget Frank Mandolini. He has no, no, no offense, no offense to yourself, but he has the, he has the Morgan Freeman voice of podcasts. Oh, yeah, he has I, a tremendous, tremendous voice. I, I am not in competition for. If people understand me, I'm quite happy. I, I don't mind if I'm not doing voiceovers <laughs> anytime soon. Uh, I did a, I did the interview with Dean. Um, I listened back to it when I went out and listened to him and me and I went I have no idea what any of us are saying in this and I was I was there at the time and I don't remember I don't know what was being said uh, Mayhem Brooks he's asked what's your favourite crep and out of 10 why is he your favourite wrestler ever oh um, me and me and Brad have a strong bond over a love of some high quality, high quality trainers, or as I've learned that certain people call them crepes. Um, Brad at one point says to me, cool crepes. Um, and I had no idea what he was talking about. I've never felt as old in my life. Um, but I've now learned that apparently the kids call trainers crepes. Um, so I um I'm not gonna I'm not gonna tell Brad what my favourite is because um at one point, me and him were talking, and he sent me a he sent me a photo, a, a pair of crepes that, that he was going to buy, and I sent him back a photo, a pair of crepes that I was going to buy, and he slated them, absolutely slated them, and says that from now on that I need to run, I need to run my my crepe purchases by him before I buy them. So um, I'm not going to tell him because he's just going to he's just going to slag me. Um, in terms of why he's my favourite wrestler. Um, He's, I don't, I don't know because uh, he also he does make me feel incredibly uh, insecure, considering that he looks like a Greek god, and he's highly athletic, and he's also quite funny. Um, I don't like that combination because uh, it makes me feel bad about myself. So I'm probably going to give him a low score, but it's because he's good. So I'll give him a two out of ten. I thought you were going to go for the Bret Hart classic 4 out of 10. I should have done that. would have been better. That would have been funnier. Yeah. Um, yeah, I read that. and I, I'm sure he actually spoke to me about crepes when I was interviewing him the first time. And even when I looked at that question, I was like, well, I like I liked mine with it. When I went to Disneyland, I got crepes every morning <laughs> and I put bacon on them. And it, So, yeah, I, I don't understand that. that <laughs> the, 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 the vernacular for crepes and... He's supposed to be up from where I am. Well, I, I I live I was born a bit out of Elgin, but I've never used I've never heard crepes used around yeah, here. I think he's yeah. just lying. Right. I th- I think we are I think we're just getting too old, mate. I think we're just getting too old. Oh, I must be maybe it's what all the all the cool kids are saying nowadays. 
I say cool kids. He does. I don't know. He's he's a wrestler. I don't know how cool wrestlers are, but. Well, I mean, I'm not going to feel any younger when I've, I speak to Ian Skinner next week again. So he's, he's no. just going to bamboozle me with with uh, with fleek and f- stuff. I've got TikTok Absolutely. now, so I'm trying to catch up, but it's not hey. it's not working. Hey. Um, the final question I've got here is again from Dean. He said, ask him about when you and the BT Gun were on Mr. and Mrs. on the camps. Oh, what a night that was, by the way. <laughs> uh, I so long story short, me and BT Gun won a Mr. and Mrs. competition on the on the holiday parks. Um, we went out for a night out in the show bar. Uh, so it was I can't remember exactly what camp it was. So we done a show one place. We then drove to the next park, stayed there that night, and then done a show in that park. <laughs> in the morning um, so, so me and BT Gun won uh, won the Mr and Mrs um, the sort of games that we had to do we had to do some sort of dance off that that we won um, I believe we won by doing me and Lou's dance um, we then also had to play a game where I can't I think I had to run I had to run and kiss as many people in the cheek as I could within a minute, while the other team also done the same. I think BT Gun had to try and get like a sock for somebody or this sort of carry on. So, but we ended up winning Mr. and Mrs. Great laugh. Then the next, the next night, or sorry, the next morning. Um, obviously the mums and dads bring <laughs> bring their their wains to see the wrestling. Not only do they know that me and BT Gun are incredibly rough, but they've just seen us win Mr. and Mrs. and knew we need to wrestle each other. So it was it was both the the quickest marriage and quickest... I guess, actually, it's a wrestling marriage, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? It happens one night, it's over the next night. Um, so I... That, <laughs> That was a that was a good night. A good night, but not such an enjoyable next day. Uh, so with the parents just encouraging, stamp your feet, kids, clap. They need to be as loud <laughs> as possible. <laughs> oh god. Aye, that that was a that was a really good laugh. Dean's get Dean's get the video of that somewhere. I'm sure we'll be able to dig it out. It occasionally sur- surfaces on Twitter. I'm sure Dean will be able to find it. Oh, definitely. We have to get to see that. Right, so we'll finish off then. I missed one of Dean's ones, which is just uh, just a karaoke road trip or camp stories. So uh, we'll round off just with uh, one of your favourite stories that, that you can share. Um, Try to think. There's so many. Um, one of my favourite stories, <laughs> one of my favourite stories about about Lou when we were and this sums up what I've had to put up with for years now right <laughs> is we were driving a show and Lou genuinely wasn't feeling well this day like he genuinely wasn't feeling well we had to stop the car a couple of times on the drive there he genuinely wasn't feeling well <laughs> and we, and he's starting to worry because he hadn't been sick but 
it was very obvious that he was going to be sick at one point. He started worrying case he can't put in the sort of performance that he normally would and this, that and all thing. <laughs> so we're driving there and he keeps saying to me so many times, he's like, I'm going to need you to, do you mind doing the majority of the work here? Because I really don't feel it. He's like, I'll do bits and bobs, but can you do this bit or that bit? Because um, I'm worried I'm eating. I'm like, aye, aye, I'll do. Because I know he'd do the same for me. I was like, aye, I'll, I'll do whatever I just you get yourself better and whatever, we'll get through it, don't worry about it. So we get to the show, planning the match, getting over our stuff, um, Lou plans a wee, a, a few wee bits and bobs, um, still no feeling well, and he goes away, and says, oh, I need to go double check something with the promoter, and I was like, right, okay, aye. And he comes back, having spent the whole day Telling me he can't do certain bits, he only wants to do a couple of spots. And he comes back and he says to me, I'm going to need to change some of my spots. I was like, How how come? He says, I've just asked the promoter there, he says I'm not allowed to dive off the balcony. And I'm like, What the fuck? If you're able There's your one. If you're able, <laughs> if you're able to dive off the balcony, you can fucking you can do a couple of you can do a couple of, of bumps for me. Do you know what I mean? But I that's one of the few ones that I can share. Most of the, most of the people that I hang about with, um, I can't, like, half a Dean's stories I can't tell. Um, half a big Jason Hyde stories I can't tell. Same with Lou. So many of Lou's stories I can't tell. Um, but aye, that's one of the few ones that, that I would happily share. And one of the few ones that sticks in my, my mind without having much time to think about one. Well, perfect. I've, I, we said beforehand that I was going to try and just keep this to about an hour because we were recording so late, and here we are, two hours later. Uh, so, <laughs> thank you for joining me. Where can people find you on social media? Uh, so, it's at Krieger UK on everything. Um, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Um, and it's at Progress Into if anybody has any interest in following, following my shows and seeing when we kick things back off. Excellent. Well, thank you for joining me today and soon soon enough went into a really professional voice there. Uh, thank you. Because you said that thing about Frank. I'm just kind of trying to show off now. Um, so Craig will soon be back uh, scudding clowns and making towns in the near future. But thank you for joining me on the SWN podcast today. Hey.